welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. In today's show, we're going to have a look at the SPL games over the weekend. We're going to have a, a quick look at Romanov and the goings on at Hearts. We're going to have a quick look at the Europa League draw for Rangers, Celtic and Hearts. I thought I'd maybe take a moment to read a poem that was written from one of our forum members and we'd also take a look at the upcoming SPL games and make our predictions. On this week's show, I'm once again joined by our co-host and contributor for SFF, Laurie. Don't sound too enthusiastic there. <laughs> once again, hello. I, li- I like your optimism as well. A quick look. There's lots of quick looks at things there. I think... Oh, yeah. uh, if anyone's heard the past shows, quick looks at uh, issues aren't really our forte, are they? I'm, try- I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> I'm only joking. Hello, everyone. And joining us again, don't want to build them up too much, but is the the owner of thefootyblog.net, Scott. Oh, yeah, I think that's Craig's default position, by the way. It's just boring. <laughs> Not excited, boring, that's his kind of default position. Hi, <laughs> Reverend, I am jolly. <clears throat> so I thought we'd start things off by going looking at the SPL games over the weekend, and I thought the first game that we'd look at was uh, the six-goal thriller between Dunfermline and Inverness. Now, Dunfermline brought it back to 3 all in stoppage time by a free kick by Hardy which was maybe 35 yards out. And to be honest, I'd be very surprised if that wasn't included in goal of the season. Did you see it at all, Laurie? I did. I watched the highlights. Uh, It seemed like quite an open game end-to-end, which I was a little surprised at. I have to say, I got a point in the predictor, but I probably couldn't have been much further off um, the game, to be honest, because I put nil-nil and I seem to remember saying it'll be a dull nil-nil draw with not many chances, <laughs> so it shows what I know. But yeah, it looked pretty open. It was a tremendous strike. I think um, it silenced Jim McIntyre, apparently, because he was telling Hardy, don't shoot, because it was too far out. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was a postage stamp, another cliche, but it was definitely postage stamp. Just superb. Yep, and... Um, Seemed like a good game, a draw. I think Dunfermline deserved at least a draw. I think I saw Butcher saying that as well. That Tansy looked good for Inverness. Andy Kirk, big fan of Andy Kirk, was always a good goal poacher at Hearts. Took his goals well. So I think all round, maybe both teams will probably be happy that they got a point, but maybe slightly disappointed they didn't get more, if that makes sense. What about yourself, Scott? Did you catch any of the game? Uh, I I seen the the match reports and I seen the goal, uh, you know the things as they were coming in, but I think it just shows that they're the two worst teams to be honest. And that's what I thought beforehand. I think neither really could defend and really could take the game by the scruff of the neck. And um, when I say the two worst teams, obviously Hearts and Aberdeen are probably the two worst teams just now. But we'll we'll leave oh, that straight uh, in there. <laughs> I just. I- we 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 beat Pax four one. Come on, I mean that's that's got to count for something, surely. Uh, <laughs> Inverness could I probably beat Pax five 0 but we'll, we'll we'll leave that there. I think uh, as I say, I, I think these two teams will probably be fighting for eleventh and twelfth spot, and I, I don't see that changing. Um, but it's good that they're getting goals and exciting games. 
and the SPLs had a few good goals already this season. And I remember the Kilmarnock Dundee United game up at Tannadice. There was a couple of good crackers there as well. So it's good that the SPL are actually getting some top-notch goals in. Yeah, although you mentioned that the, the Dunfermline and Inverness maybe the, the two worst teams in the league, I think the fact that not only was there six goals, but there was also quite a few other chances. So I think it's that kind of thing is it's a good advert for Scottish football. I'd like to move on to the second game, and that's Dundee United against St Mirren. Although the scoreline finished one all, I think the the standout moment of this was unfortunately the the challenge between with Severin, where it seems that he had a triple leg break and also some torn ligaments. I it didn't it didn't look too bad at the time. It was a fifty fifty. I don't know if he maybe got hit by the knee that made it so bad, but but it's bad news for him. It's a, it's a real shame, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Scott Severin. He's, since he came through at Hearts about 13 years back, 98-99 season, and um, he has had a, a couple of injuries, nothing as bad as that before, and I'm just worried at 32, it might be really hard for him to come back from. But yeah, it wasn't that, nothing really malicious. Two players going for the ball, and he just unfortunate the way it caught him. So um, all the best to him, hopefully... Um, he can recover and get back in, but you know it's going to be difficult judging by as, as soon as someone says triple leg break, you know immediately, yeah, you imagine it's not going to be the best and the easiest injury to come back from. Yeah, <clears throat> it's strange because it's always the innocuous ones that seem to be the worst. Even uh, watching the Celtic game, these Aguri one was a bit um, innocuous, and these are the, the injuries that seem to be the worst because I don't think the players are really expecting it. Yeah, and they get you know such a bad injury and is. Laurie said that uh, Scott's a, you know, a top pro. Somebody I think most teams would love to have in their team because he's so committed. He'll play various positions. And it's a shame that he'll be out for so long now. Do you know Scott Severin? I was actually, when you just said that, I remember when he came through first, he was a striker. He um, Then he moved into central midfield. He played in goals at the end of one game against okay. Rangers. Yep, I think... Um, that wee Austin stad at Rangers, I remember he, I think it was Moylan and he took out and he had to go off injured. So Severin had to play in goals. That's he played it. Remember Austin stad for? That's right uh, <laughs> there. Right so I'm, I think Severin's actually, and he plays in defence a few times for Hearts. He played in defence a lot for um, Aberdeen and United. So I'm pretty sure he's played in goals, in defence, in midfield and up front. So it's, it's pretty impressive. That, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I... Did you see Gary Kenneth's free kick? I did. Um, I enjoyed I, Keith Watson's miss right after even more than that. Yeah, it was a, a very good free kick. Again, maybe 35 yards out. And Kenneth, uh, we all know that he can he can hit a solid ping. And uh, the keeper spilled it. Keith Watson had uh, the easiest of chances and seemed to just swipe at thin air. <laughs> I loved how he put his head in his hands. Pretty much the ball was kind of still going behind him. It was about, <laughs> But he already had his head in his hands because he knew what he'd done. Or yeah. hasn't done. I think we've all been there playing seven aside. And is Gary Kenneth and you, Lorenzo Amoruso, is that what you're saying? No, he's he can have a good free kick on him. The, the, problem, is, the problem with these free kicks is it's all down to bad walls or the wall being badly placed because you just whack it straight towards goal. So if the wall's properly placed and doesn't split, then it's just going to hit into the wall. Or as Amoruso used to do, either roll underneath it or clear the stadium. So I'm always, it's like Carlos, who is a, a allegedly a free kick specialist, but he only scored one about every five years. 
I think yeah. I would much rather with a free kick have someone who can hit it over the wall, up and on, up and over the wall rather, or play a good ball in because you got players who can whack it. Unless it's from a long way out and they roll it into their path, you know, you're going to waste a lot of free kicks. I think the best I remember through my time was Juninho at Leon. He are he had a cracking right field on Brazil. Whatever free kick you want, he could hit it and it would be a goal more often than not. I think. Yeah. That's where everybody should be kind of looking at trying to copy. Uh, so also, they don't need to go back to the game. I wasn't surprised at all that it would be Stephen Thompson scoring against his old team. Um, these these things seem to happen time and time again. Yeah, it was it was a great run by Hasselbank, who um, looked really good. They looked really good the first half, sitting there knocking the ball about. Um, Hasselbank seems to have breathed a kind of breath of fresh air in the St Mirren team, as well yeah. as some of their kind of the style of play they're playing this season. I actually thought he was pretty hard done by with the red card, I have to say. Oh definitely. That's when you're when you're running through and goal when you've got a defender behind you, it, it's just natural really to to protect yourself by lifting your arm up. And, and it was it wasn't his elbow either. I didn't think no. it looked like his hand, which yeah, it, you know, sometimes you get whacked in the face with a hand, it's no nice, but it's I don't even know can you do you even give a foul at that kind of I can I can see why the ref would give a foul, but I could see a lot of instances if the Dundee United player. I, I'm not saying that he did. He went down easily or anything. I couldn't. It was hard to tell because, like I say, it can't hurt when you get whacked in the face, even by a hand. But if he, for instance, had kept running, would would he have even given a foul? Well, if you know. change it, if you change it around, say it was the defender and it was the same kind of position, and the defender caught the striker, would they give a penalty? I don't think he would. No, I don't think so. No. No. So if that if you know you can't dictate because of positions what happens. So if he's not going to give a penalty, then he's obviously not going to send the player off. So he shouldn't really do it to the striker. I think no. there has to be a you have to look at it. And if it's just an accidental collision, then you know maybe a free kick, but not definitely not a red card. Yeah, I'd like to move on to the third game, and that's Aberdeen against Celtic, which was on Sky Sports at lunchtime on Sunday. I thought that I was pretty impressed with Celtic overall. A lot of people were complaining that maybe they weren't very clinical in the final third. But I thought, they, were, especially in the first half, they were playing a, a very good patient game. And Aberdeen, they, they seemed to struggle. They, they managed to contain Celtic, but I think that was maybe more Celtic were just being patient. I was impressed a bit with Ricky Foster in the first half. But in the second half, I think I only seen him once, and that was when Anthony Stokes scored. I don't know who it was that challenged Foster, but he was down in the deck complaining it was a free kick when clearly it wasn't. Was it Commons? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I thought Celtic definitely deserved their win. I think if we're looking at it, it was uh, Commons didn't have the best of games, but it just shows you that you give them a five-minute good spell, it can change a game. And you know he got he won the ball, played a nice one two with Stokes, self explored, and they could have got another one when he slipped somebody else. I can't remember uh, a few minutes after that, uh, Forrest it was. Um, yeah. So you know they've got that in their team. You know they don't play maybe to their potential for the full ninety minutes, but if they play well for ten and they play solid for the the full ninety, then they can win one two 0 Yeah, but I think that's the difference with <clears throat> the old firm and. The teams around them, it was something I was kind of discussing on the forum earlier that 
you know, if you're Celtic or Rangers and you've got players like Commons or, or Jelovic or Hooper or Davis that you can play relatively, maybe not even poorly, but you can maybe put in an average performance. And but these, these are the type of players who can just need one chance and they'll put it away. Um, and they've got the belief that they'll get that chance and they'll score. So, yeah, not surprised. It didn't sound like as hard as Aberdeen fought and as maybe as well as they played in terms of the opposition they were up against. They didn't sound like they actually created many much in the way of chances. So, not really surprised. I thought it would be more comfortable for Celtic in terms of the goals, but it seemed relatively comfortable in terms of um, being in control of the game. It's pretty bad news for Izagiri. Craig, don't you think it's a bit going to be a bit strange when he came off you seen Charlie Mulgrew come on but he wasn't bombing forward the same way and Celtic looked a bit hesitant on the left hand side when he came off and it seems as if you know that might be a problem for them the next couple of months I think you could be right yeah uh, the the latest I heard was that he's broken his fibula which there's no way I could point to that on the uh, the, the body, but I'm guessing it's in the foot somewhere. guess it's in your foot. That was a way to say that. <laughs> yeah, but when I, when I seen the, the challenge, which I, I think was fair, but when I seen the challenge, I seen Izaguiri's, he landed on his foot, and the way it extended, I, I feared that he'd maybe done something to his uh, Achilles, which would have kept him out for a very long time. Actually, I think it could be problematic for Celtic. Mulgrew never struck me as the best defensively in particular in fullback area but I think they've got enough in there you can move Wilson over as well because apparently Matthews played really well I didn't see the game or listen to it but apparently he put in a good shift and Mark Wilson Mark Wilson's played enough at left back as well I think to cover so I think Celtic would be able to would be able to deal with it to be honest and I think as you mentioned on the forum I think it was yourself was it that Potentially, it may, could only be a month and a half to two months that's out, which although isn't great exactly, for Celtic, yeah, it's yeah. it's not the end of the world if they kind of rearrange, and that's why they have that's why you have a squad, isn't it? So, well, that kind of injury could be, as you say, could be maybe six weeks, and that's that's for like people like us who are getting treated on the NHS. This is a player that's going to be getting the best treatment available. So yeah. Uh, all going well, he could be back playing within six weeks. But I did notice that Lennon was was a bit sceptical and he was saying that if he does deserve, if he does require an an operation, then it could be a few months. I think we just have to wait and see with the injury, to be honest. I don't know if you want to maybe move on to... Uh, we'd rather not, but um, the final game of the weekend at Fir Park uh, this afternoon. What happened there, Laurie? I, I didn't... What was the score? Yeah. The score? What was that? Nothing much happened in all honesty. Um, I listened to the game on the radio and it was pretty dire. First half seemed pretty nothingy. Neither side seemed likely to do much, although if anyone was, it sounded like maybe Motherwell uh, in the second half. Again, Motherwell seemed to be edging it and then Ian Black stupidly got himself sent off, which surprise. is always a risk. And The radio seemed to be quite scathing of the tackle, but I was just reading... Earlier, Stuart McCall basically saying it was a 50-50 when Black was unlucky, which seemed to be um, a surprising way to look at it, especially from the opposition manager, but he said that it was more the conditions and it was 50-50 and if it had been a second kind of um, earlier, it would have been probably down as a good tackle. So I've yet to see it, so I can't comment. There's um, meant to be a second earlier. Is that just not mistimed? So you still <laughs> mistimed the challenge? Well, it's, it's Ian Black, so... Th- 
the, the, the thing is with Ian Black and your team, there's always that risk. But if you yeah. take if you take that side of his game away, as I've said to people on the forum before, then he's not going to be the same player because um, it's a double-edged sword. The best part of his game is also potentially the worst part of his game. So yeah, it's fully committed, and when you're fully committed, then you've got to expect that that's what's going to happen. Sometimes, um, I suppose Capello said about Joey Barton um, this week, and you can see that maybe the same for Black. Um, it's a risk that you take putting him in your team, but when he plays well, when he plays, and he doesn't get himself sent off, then he's a benefit to the team. So you know, he doesn't get sent off that much. Yep. But I mean, after that. It definitely seems there's only be one winner. Murphy took his goal. I think Egert Jonsson, who unfortunately isn't a centre-back and we're having to play him there just now, didn't hold the line properly and allowed played uh, Murphy onside. So he had a one-on-one finish. And as Jamie Murphy can do, he comfortably took it around Kello. And from then on in, to be honest, it didn't really sound like hearts were going to level when it was 11 against 10. At the end, we briefly threw things at them when it went to 10 against 10 when Lasley was sent off. But it sounded like Motherwell deserved the victory. I would say it's disappointing, but not surprising. I put it down as 1-1 in the predictor. We always struggle at Fir Park. Um, It's Sergio's first real test, as I don't think anyone really thinks that Pax were anything. I don't think they put up as much fight as any SPL team would, even... The Invernesses and Dunfermlands, which Scott rates so highly. Um, so, <laughs> disappointing, not surprising. It's this it, first test, so we've got to give him a bit of chance to assess the players and get his own style. We did seem to be playing it a lot, a bit differently. We seem to be trying to hold possession a lot more. Um, Sandy Clark amusingly compared us to the style that Brazil play in, um, which nice one. I had to, I had to chuckle at because we didn't seem to be playing well, but he said that we were. Um, reminiscent of Brazil trying to get the fullback simply because we were getting the fullbacks up but I'm pretty sure lots of teams do that so we'll give it time disappointing but we'll give it time I predicted one each as well I just thought after the game in Tynecastle midweek I thought everybody would have been so high and everything else it was just to go to Far Park's not an easy place and you know I think the team might have been a wee bit overconfident and to Pardon the pun, I think, you know, might have taken their eye off the ball a bit. I don't think that was the case. I think it was even the other way around. We don't seem to look confident enough going to places like Fir Park. And again, it was what I was, what I was like, when I was saying about the old firm, it's a difference. With, for some reason, when we go to places like that, we just don't pick up points usually. Apart from last season, we were, when we were on that run, when we were beating everyone, we went there and we didn't play particularly well, but we got the 2-1 win. So... I think a lot of it's psychological when we go to places like this. We didn't play a striker, which didn't help. I don't know why we have John Sutton on the bench. We had Rudy Scatchel on the bench. It seemed a few a... games running, so he's obviously seen something that he doesn't rate the two players to start them. Well, I would. I was thinking it was a lot to do with fitness, but the thing is he put Driver straight in. And Driver is obviously, I think he's definitely further behind in fitness than Scatchel is. And... Yeah. I like Stevenson a lot, but he's not a striker. No matter what anyone tells me, he can he can score goals, but he's not a striker. He he doesn't he doesn't really hold the play out well. His position is wrong for a striker, so I think it's it's unfair. If you're not a striker, then to play up front by yourself is is even harder. Yeah. Um, it's the toughest position to do by yourself. So if you're not a striker, and I think you'd kind of play well in a, almost a a role near a, a Sutton or a Kyle where he can feed off 
and I think he'd be a lot better there rather than just having him up front by himself. I don't see him holding up the ball. I don't see him getting too many chances in behind. So I think I think you're right. I think Sutton would have been my option. I see. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you are saying about the playing up front on your own. There's he's exactly the type of player that you'd you'd expect to to win a, a long ball and hold it up and as you say play on to a player that's Stevenson who can play well but he has to do it with his face two goal. Yep, and as um, Scott said as well, players always seem to score against their old team. So if any game was made for John Sutton to get his first goal for Hearts, I thought it was today. Um, but well, wait. Just wait, can see. I check, Laurie? Um, Hearts are currently ninth after three games. Hibs are six after two. That must be. I mean, Hibs are better than Hearts. That's that. That's your logic, is it? So. By that logic as well, are we going to say that um, what St Mirren are better than Rangers? No, because St Mirren have played one game more. Oh, sorry, that's what it is. Oh, that's, that's what it is, okay. So, I also played one game more, so... I see that. I actually lose it. To be honest, if someone had told me we'd have one point after three games, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have just expected that point to come in our home game against Dundee United and not in the game against Rangers. So, and against, honest, against Rangers, you were you looked really up for it against Pax. You in both games, you've looked good. So it's, I think the results will come. It's just a case of. I'm not. I'm not concerned yet. I mean, this this early stage of the season. I mean, you're not going to be over. We've just changed manager as well. We'll see what is like at the end of the transfer window and when he knows his players better and when we've um, put Spurs out of the Europa League. As Sergio said, Mister Jim is a good manager and he said it takes ten games. <laughs> before you can really look at a season. So I think that's probably right, I think. I think Mr. Craig, Mr. Sergio, <laughs> Mr. Derek and uh, Mr. Terry won't be getting too worried yet. They'll be waiting a few weeks more before they get worried. Okay, so moving on from the Hearts game, we can then go straight into topic related to Hearts and um, Mr. Vladimir, who has been in the press again this week. Not for the first time controversially, as we know, Mr. Jim got the boot at the start of the week. And we thought it would be apt to go over Vladimir Romanov, his uh, time at Hearts and in Scotland, and maybe look at the pros and cons, whether he has been a good thing for Hearts, a good thing for Scottish football, or a bad thing. Um, I'll look first of all at it from a, a positive stance. And obviously when Romanov first came to Hearts, we were sort of on our knees as a club. <clears throat> the debt was had hit 20 million. We were losing millions every year. We were about to sell Tynecastle. We had the, the deal agreed with Calla Holmes, which the Hearts uh, fans weren't happy with. They had the Save Our Hearts campaign. And we basically needed someone from nowhere to come in. And it didn't look like it was going to happen. We had a few potential buyouts with the likes of kind of Leslie Deans and stuff, trying to arrange consortiums, but it was all it was all about money that didn't really exist. We basically needed someone with a lot of money to come in and save us and Romanov was that man. Um, to be honest, he sounded out Dundee and Dunfermline I think before they'd been a bit more hesitant. I don't think they needed it as much as us at the time. Um, but we kind of were more open to it because of the position we were in. He came in towards the end of 2004-2005 season. 
we brought in a couple of Lithuanians in and Saul Mikulunis and Chesnowskis later on. There wasn't a whole lot happening, but 0506 was when it all really kicked in. Suddenly invested some money in the team. Suddenly we had Claudio Ranieri and Bobby Robson kind of getting interviewed for the Hearts job. We were bringing in, we brought in some big name players, you know, we Jankowskis, Champions League winner, UEFA Cup winner, Takis Fisas, who just won the European Championship with Greece. And obviously we went on that run under Burley and we finished second, basically. Split the old firm, won the cup. It was all brilliant. But within that season, some of the negatives came out, which were the likes of uh, Vlad's tendency to sack managers very abruptly. Um, his tendency to want to control matters with the team. What I would say about some of these things, I think in Eastern Europe, where he's from, the attitude to football teams is a lot different. I think he sees it in a similar way that Abramovich sees it, that he he owns it. It's his it's his money. He should be able to do what he wants with it. I think in Eastern Europe, the control of their team is um, a lot more in the hands of owners than just the managers. I don't think it's seen in the same way in British football. So he's had to adjust to that a bit. More positive since he's come in, I would say attendances. We um, average attendances since Vlad's been in, 15,170. The five years before he came in, since the turn of the century in SPL, just over 12,000. So, you know, tendencies have been up. We had 22,000 applications for season tickets in 0506. So demand has came in. Certainly got the fans back. I've already been talking for a bit, so I'm going to maybe throw it over to Scott. I'll see on his views on some of the things I've said there. Why do you take Mr. Romanov and his time at Hearts? I think you've had a good couple of nails in the head. Um, I think... The fact is, he is from a different culture. And I think maybe it's Scottish football, we're not used to it. And I think that causes people to point fingers and laugh and, you know, this, that, next thing. I, th- I think when you mention managers like Bobby Robson and, the su- you know, such great names like that, being interviewed for jobs, you also have to remember that he did then hire Graham Ricks. And I think... It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, I think. I remember seeing the, the BBC documentary and they said to him, if if you needed to buy a £10 million player, would you buy a £10 million player? Yes. And it's simple, he wouldn't. I think he has tried to adapt more to the Scottish way of thinking. I think that was the whole Jim Jeffries thing. I think Jim Jeffries got a bit more time, or a bit more, uh, had a bit more patience without picking the team as much. Um, but I, I don't... As you say, you know, Hearts were in a bad place when he took over. So I think, you know, if, if I had to say, if I was a Hearts fan, would I prefer to have Romanov or would I prefer not to have Romanov? I think I would prefer to have him. I think in his own way, he, he's a, a big Hearts man now. I think he's, he, he, he wants to see Hearts doing well. I, I unfortunately don't think he wants to see his managers doing too well that he then doesn't get all the publicity himself. I think he likes everybody thinking you know, Romanov is the saviour and, you know, once a manager gets too big for his boots, I think that's, I think a dangerous time is when the manager's doing well and the, the fans are saying his name, I think that might be a, a time for Romanov to think, all right, first big mistake, he's out. That is, that is one one problem. He, I think he does like, he does like the limelight, he does get in credit, like getting credit for things. Um, but one thing you hit on there, which I think, which is the main gripe that I get when people start kind of criticising Romanov is the thing, 
he does want the best for Hearts. All this talk of, you know, he's there to, to sell it and make money off them. It's not, because basically, if he wanted to come and make money off Hearts, which is not a very good thing to do anyway, he's a clever businessman, he knows it's not a money-making thing he's going to be in on, he would have came in, he would have sold that. He would have sold Tangastle to Carla Holmes, taken that money, and then tried to sell the club on. But he didn't. And um, I think Charlie Mann, who was his PR, who was ahead of his PR till I think, about 2008, who's uh, BBC Scotland broadcast, he basically says the one thing you have to know is Romanov does want the best for Hearts. He does want success for Hearts. He has written off 20 million, basically out of his pocket. So that's basically 20 million he's already gifted us off of our debt. Um, he's sold, although you could say he's sold just under 20 million worth of players in the five, just over five seasons, five full seasons he's been in charge. Um, he's basically bought a lot of players and paid a lot of wages through kindness to save Hearts paying for it, which people people um, almost uh, laugh at us for because, yeah, we have had some bad players, but at the same time, we got Roman Bednar through kindness. We got Jose Goncalves through kindness. And it's like, these play- Bednar ended up going for two and a half million to the Premiership and done all right there. Didn't do amazingly, but did all right. So yeah, I think European teams have feeder clubs like that. You know, I think that's an association that a few Scottish teams should look at more. Even if it's you know teams in the lower leagues of Scotland, I think you know that kind of affiliation with clubs is is a good thing. I've never seen the problem with the Cowness situation. Obviously, sometimes when you look at it, it's like. 10 players coming from Kaunas and you know and that was more the, the earlier stages but these players were coming on in trial and things like that and again it was just the Scottish fan and media not knowing the, the Eastern European way and how things worked uh, you know I, I honestly don't think he's done you know he's made some, some bizarre statements and bizarre um, appointments and things but all in all I think he's been good for Hearts yeah I mean uh, go on Craig sorry sorry I, I was going to you mentioned bizarre statements and I've I've got a couple of quotes from him that I thought would be pretty good for this this section. Romanov commenting on the sacking of Jim Jeffries and the subsequent appointment of Paolo Sergio. He had the following to say: Judging by the pre-planned sequel, eh, sorry, judging by the pre-planned squeals the media monkeys are making, Hearts has hit the point with the move. I believe that with only one competitive win in 15 games, only fools and idiots would not raise questions and suspicions. I now understand why Scotland is in 61st place in FIFA rankings behind such football countries like Lithuania, Albania and Gabon. See, the problem is with the Jeffries one, I wasn't, you know, at first I was a bit shocked. I was sad to see Jeffries go and I said that I liked to have him in charge, but... um, it was almost the timing was the main weird, the, the the strange thing. And I think the problem with Romanov, it's everything's a double-edged sword because for every point he makes, which you think, you know, you're, you're speaking some sense there, Vlad, you know, you've got a good point. He says something which is totally stupid. And for every tag his feces that he, that he signs or brings in, there's a, you know, there's a Mirsad Bezlija who costs us almost a million pound and plays nine games. And it's like, there's always something, for everything good, there's something bad. There'll always be, and it's like, with the media, I think a lot of it's backlash. I think at first, you know, when the Lithuanians brought in, the media were very quick to get on the back, and I think he was almost, I think he was quite offended by it. Um, I don't know if he expected it at first, because I think 
I think a lot of the press he got was unfair, but at the same time, he brings a lot of it on himself. And um, he's just kind of got in a stage now where everything he does, he just he will just attack, basically. And it's odd. I was listening to Charlie Mann the other week, and I remember the game before Burley got sacked was at Parkhead. And obviously, at the time, we were top of the table. He'd won eight, drawn one, which, to be honest, was a great result to draw because we were 2-0 down at Falkirk and down at 10 men, and we somehow managed to draw 2-2. So we went to Parkhead, and... Um, I can and Charlie Mann basically said that going to Parkhead, Romanov, um, when he was speaking to him, was like, "So I think we should win. You know, we should go there to win." And he heard people saying it's probably going to be a draw. You know, Hearts are playing well, but Celtic are still strong at home. And when it was a draw, Romanov thought there was something strange going on because everyone said it was going to be a draw, and it was a draw. And he suddenly decided that that was that was out of, that wasn't right. That was out of order. Hearts should not be going to Parkhead and drawing. That is that is unacceptable. There's either either something's not right with the manager that it's not he's not managing it properly or something's corrupt, you know. And it's like to us it seems bizarre, but to him he's come to this country and he he basically seems to think, why aren't my team winning everything? Well, it's more it's, it's more than that. Um, I interviewed uh, Dan Brennan, um, and he was the translator for uh, Romanov. And it's, it's the whole culture he just doesn't get as well. He was on a... They were going to play Inverness Cali and he, they were driving up and he was driving past this farm. He seen sheep in the farm and he said to his driver, turn in here. So the driver turns in and he says to, to Dan, he says, right, you go speak to the farmer and tell him I want to buy a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan's looking at him bewildered, going, you want me to go and buy a sheep? He's like, yep, speak to the farmer, buy the sheep. <laughs> Get them to gut it, basically. Cut it all up so they can have a feast in the way home. <laughs> the way home. See, I mean, I think he is, he is slightly mad, basically. And obviously, yeah, it has to be. I asked the farmer, and the farmer said, I can't do that. I said, We would love to do it, but, you know, health and safety, this, that, next thing. And obviously, in Lithuania, it's a, just a total different culture, and you can just go and buy sheep and kill it and eat it. Well, you, you can basically, yeah, and um, I think he is he is slightly mad. I don't think there's any doubt with that. But to be honest, I kind of look at it, and I actually I look back to the Robinson era when everything was dark, and even when he says ridiculous things, I can almost find the entertainment value in it. And all the Hearts fans I know, it's like water off a duck's back. Now we kind of enjoy it to a degree. Um, if it gets down to serious stuff, and at some point financially things go really badly but the bottom line is you know teams like Hibs and Aberdeen a lot of fans I know these teams basically say oh at least we've not got Romanov in charge it's like but to be honest if I would swap I don't know if I would want to swap you know fair enough we don't win the league we don't win the Champions League but you know he he throws the cat among the pigeons he just goes oh I want to win a league why not why should Celtic Rangers win the league all the time and it's stupid to degree because Celtic Rangers have better players but at least he wants something more and um to be honest, we get full time castle most weeks. We finish third. We compete in Europe. He he gives us money, pays money for players' wages, and we are seen as kind of the best of the rest. And when I speak to, I bumped into some English fans who was down watching Premiership games, and suddenly they know all about us. And it's like, really? And it's like, oh yeah, Hearts, Romanov, ah, you, you, you should be. A, I remember when you split the old firm. It was really good. Started seeing some of your games. Started watching your games on TV. And would I swap that for? 
half full stadiums at Patoji and Easter Road and struggling down the other end of the table? I don't know. It's it's a hard choice. There's a lot. We all laugh. We all laugh at the the comments he makes. He mentioning the the mafia and so on, but I, I think that's good for Hearts. I think it, it gets them in the media, gets as as you mentioned there, the gets people out with Scotland sitting up and taking notice of who Hearts is, and I think that's a good thing. Whether they they are laughing at Romanov's comments or not, I think that the Hearts is getting in people's sub- subconscious, and that's definitely a positive. Laurie, see when you seen him in the training ground with his training top on, were you a bit worried he was going to put himself in the team for the Pax game? Do you know what, right? This is something we've said before. I don't... Sometimes I just think, right, just make yourself manager. Just... just I th- Part of him, I think, wants to do it, but he knows now that he can't because there'd be too much outcry. But I think, especially in the first year when he started making changes and it started getting ridiculous when it came out that the team... You know, the team sheet would get faxed to him and he would get faxed back with like yeah. alterations and it's like like either play football manager at home or just make just make yourself the manager, you know, just just, just the, only, for... the only reason he doesn't do it is in case he's not a success. And that's the only reason I <laughs> gone. In case he doesn't win the league and then he, he thinks himself as a failure and then has to sack himself. Uh, we, 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 we we'd be lost without him, let's be fair. We we'd we'd be what? Well, I would say to any fan who comments on Romanov and you know, you know, jeers at him and all the rest of it, without Romanov, the fact is, Tinkers would have been sold, and Hearts would be playing at Murrayfield, renting it out, and Murrayfield's just not a football stadium, and it's not, you know, especially not with for fifteen thousand people. So the guy came in and saved Hearts' home basically. And, you know, I, I honestly don't think, you know, as you say, if, if he was wanting to make money out of a football team, it wouldn't be a Scottish football team. No, exactly. And, I mean, there are, I'm not going to deny, there are other, there are ulterior motives as well, because he did want to bring uh, his business into Scotland, into Britain, which is part of um, why he did want to get involved as well. But I think, to be honest, the more he's been involved in Hearts, the more he's kind of got sort of caught up in it, and the more he's become a fan, because... If he wanted to let things run out and he wanted to just concentrate on things, he wouldn't sack managers and pay compensation to them. He wouldn't, although we don't spend much in transfer fees anymore, you know, we still have players, even last season, on 10 grand and above, and he wouldn't bother with that because you wouldn't need to for Hearts to kind of survive, and he does want to aim higher. And I am kind of reluctant to go with him at the moment with his, you need to win the league, but. He's putting an expectation out there and he needs to back up now with some sort of investment for Pelo Sergio because with the team he's got, I don't think he can win the league. If he's going to give him that expectations, as Pelo Sergio said himself, well, that's fine. You give me a target and I'll tell you what I need to get that target. So we'll see how it pans out. But I think they've got a good enough team for for third, definitely. But as you say, Romanoff's put it out there. Was it Zalukas that came out and, and mentioned that the when the talks was that they were going to be pushing for the league. Well, if that's true, then, as you say, they're going to have to be... Sergio's going to have to be given money to to make that true. And I don't know if it's it's maybe a bit too late in the in the season, in the transfer window, for that to happen. I, I think if you look at Rangers and Celtic, they do their deals, you know, at the end of the transfer market. I, I, I think it's maybe a good time for Hearts. I think they've probably done it well by bringing in the core part of the squad early and then 
maybe sprinkle a couple of good signings in at the end, I think could, yeah, I think they could do really well. I don't, I don't think they'll break up the old firm. But I think, you know, when you, t- I think people make comments in football and I think people look at them too much. I think obviously he wants Hearts to win the league. He said, you know, that's the expectation. But I think if we all believe that, then, you know, I think we're the stupid ones. I think, you know, it was the same in Neil Lennon last season. If you if Celtic weren't going to win the league, he wouldn't be the manager the next season. It, you know, it's just not going to happen. The bottom line is, if you say, look, you need to win the league, if Hearts, if they finish third, but they finish 10 points behind Celtic and Rangers, for instance, not saying it will happen, then I think you've just got to see his progress. I think the problem is, people are very quick to criticise Romanov, but I think a lot of the press, not all of them, but a lot of the media are involved in a tit-for-tat thing with him now as well. Because as soon as Jeffries was sacked, it was unbelievable some of the some of the stuff about it. And I, I wasn't happy. I said I wasn't happy with it at first. I mean, the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense. But, you know, people are oh, it's disgusting. You know, Jeffries was brilliant. And I was reading a score on Sunday today, and apparently Jeffries' record was... 40% wins in a second spell at heart. 41% wins. Shabalazzo's with 40%. Shabalazzo's gap behind the old firm was a lot less than Jeffrey's apparently in his season. And Shabalazzo didn't have the, quite the same backing and freedom that he gave Jeffrey's. And I heard people today saying, you know, Hearts did tremendously well to finish third last season. But I was thinking, did is that really tremendously well finishing third with Hearts? To me, finishing third with Hearts should be a given because you've got far more resources than anyone else apart from the old firm so whilst it's unrealistic to think you should finish second or first it's equally um unrealistic to think that it's a fantastic achievement to finish third i think because even dundee united who did have a reasonable budget that's been getting cut and cut and cut so i think to a degree people were took the opportunity to look at everything possibly negative about the decision but one win in 15 I mean, if you look away from the timing of it, one win in 15, that is that is relegation form. If Dunfermline or Inverness, if Terry Butcher or Jim McIntyre or Craig Brown, Derek McInnes, if 15 games from now, they haven't, they've only won one game, I'd be surprised if they're in their jobs. I think you've got to look at where they were in the, in the league when, at the time prior to that, that terrible run, they were pushing for second place. But if you, if you look at the, the mentality in Scotland and say, well, Hearts, they're not they're not going to split the old firm. The the best they can expect is third place. That kind of thing is, however good a manager you have, that's going to be ingrained in the players. And they're going to be thinking to themselves, right, that's us. We've, we've pretty much secured third place. What's the, what's the motivation really for trying? And I think that would have came into it quite a lot. I, I don't really blame Jeffries for the, the end of the season. I just think that it's really the, the general Scottish mentality to blame. I think, I think the only thing I've got with the Jim Jeffries situation, as already touched on earlier, is the timing. You know, before a, a big European game and, you know, it was only two games into the season. I think it's that's the only thing I would question. I think the results speak for themselves and I think maybe if the you know, another thing is, he obviously Paulo Sergio lined up, so I think you should have just had enough to say, right, okay, in the summer, Jim Jeffries was leaving, or give him a wee bit more time. But apart from that, I, I, I've got no problem with the actual decision. I think any manager, as Laurie says, that can't win um, in, you know, 15 games, he can only win one match. 
has to look at their position. On Friday, the Europa League playoff round was drawn and uh, the three Scottish teams in the draw, Rangers, Celtic and Hearts, Rangers were drawn against the Slovenian League champions Maribor, who had also been knocked out of the, the Champions League qualifying and they were knocked out 3-2 by Maccabi Haifa. Celtic were drawn against Swiss side FC Sion. Perhaps I pronounced that incorrectly, but I'll go with it anyway. They have the, the dubious honour of having the world record of winning the Swiss Cup 12 times after reaching the final 12 times. I'm not sure how that's what how they work out, whether that's a world record or not, but supposedly they have. And perhaps the biggest draw, especially for the Scottish teams, was Hearts, who drew Tottenham Hotspur. And, well, I don't really need to go in depth about Spurs, because I'm sure we all know about them. So, out of the three teams, I would say that Rangers and Celtic have a very good chance of progressing. Maribor... Uh, what was that, Laurie? Was, I love your was com- that a, a horse came into your <laughs> I love your confidence after getting put out by the the team ninth in the Swedish league. But <clears throat> continue, Malmo, big big team, and um, Marabor. The the only thing I really know about them is that they they knocked Hibs out in two thousand and ten six two. So I'm I'm still I'm pretty confident about them. FC Sion, unfortunately, I've, I've never heard of them before, although they do hold this amazing world record. So not uh, best fair to have a world record of, of winning Swiss Cups because you're kind of limited as to who can actually get that record. It's a bit, there, it's a bit American, isn't it? a bit American football World Series type thing. <laughs> We've got a world record for winning Swiss Cups, but it's only teams in Switzerland can go for it, so you know it's not like you can compete with other people, is it? Well, it makes it keeps them happy. So. <clears throat> I suppose. So, I suppose. Maybe a world record of to appear in the tournaments at twelve times in the final and win it. I did wonder that when I first read it. When I first read it, it wasn't really clear if that was the case because maybe maybe it's yeah, a hundred percent win wins in cups. Maybe it's the most. I don't know. Who knows? They got Jose Goncalves playing for them, so they can't be bad. Right. Well, in, in that case, then Celtic have got a really good chance of progressing. <laughs> <laughs> they and wanted to sign him. They wanted to sign him when he was a Hearts, so didn't start. <laughs> a Hearts drew Spurs, and, well, you just need to look at Spurs under, under Harry Redknapp to see that the Hearts don't really have a chance at all. The Spurs players that that really stand out. I, I don't really need to go through these, but you've got the Bale, Modric, Defoe, Crouch. I can see an, an easy win for Spurs over the over the two legs, even though maybe Hearts have got the head start on them in terms of games. But but yeah, I just I just can't see it happening for them. So out the the three Scottish teams have got Rangers and Celtic going through to the group stages and Hearts going out. Ah, you're just too negative. No, you're you're probably right, unfortunately. Um, 
Although, looking at the two teams, I don't think Celtic and Rangers should really underestimate their opponents, especially considering <clears throat> recent performances from all Scottish teams. Yep. Um, I think Celtic have probably got the more straightforward looking at recent times. Not saying it's easy. I mean, they finished fourth in Switzerland. Um, they've got that cup record. I looked at their team. Jose Goncalves, he's a decent player. He's a good player, but not better than what Celtic have. So over two legs, I'd expect them to go through. Maribor, um, I was looking up on them a bit. They had quite an impressive um, sort of record about maybe 10 years back when they were in the group stage of the Champions League. They kind of comfortably put out like Lyon to get there and they played in the group stages that year. But they had a bit of a dark age apparently for about six years between 03 and 09 where they didn't really didn't win a league. They almost went out of business, but apparently they're on the up again now. And although the Slovenian League's probably not the best, they won the Slovenian League. So I don't think Rangers can really afford to underestimate them, especially after the Malmo debacle, if you want to call it that. And then, of course, moving on to Hearts. Um, yeah, I'm moving on quickly from Malmo. Yeah, yeah moving on to Hearts. Um, I might have mentioned on the forum that I'm a bit excited about the game. Um, it was the draw that most Hearts fans I knew wanted because. <clears throat> Out of the teams that we could have got, it was hard to see any that I think maybe the Greek team, PAOK, would have given us either them or Hapoel would have given us the best chance of getting through. But to be honest, even then, would have been difficult. So it was maybe looking at a tie, which would have provided us you know, with a bit of uh, a bit of money, a bit of glamour. And I think Spurs were the best option and we got them. And of course, as Redknapp said, they will play um, probably play the reserves and youth players. Whilst the reserve team I saw still contained Peter Crouch, Robbie Keane, Wilson Palacios, David Bentley, Nico Cranchar, Stephen Pienaar, Alan Hutton. Um, whilst they're certainly far and above what we have and probably should still come to beat us, it maybe gives us a hope. And as I've said, I just want to go into the second leg with the tie still alive. If we can draw or keep it to a narrow defeat at Tynecastle and at least go to White Hart Lane and try and give ourselves a good chance of just um, having a good atmosphere there and just making the most of the occasion. We've got nothing to lose. If we lose 4-1, 5-1 on aggregate, no one's going to be surprised. No one's going to say it's a disaster. So I think we've just got to enjoy the occasion. And you never know. Stranger things have happened. Don't expect us to get through. But I'm just going to enjoy the two legs. Hearts have never played an English team in Europe before. Maybe they never will again. So I think it's just probably the biggest game for a club outside the old firm in Europe in a couple of years. So I'm just hoping to enjoy it. I think for me, to go on to the, the Malmo thing briefly, um, Rangers need to learn from that. McCoy's needs to learn from that. The first leg was very, very poor. I think over the two legs, Rangers could have easily gone through. I think... I don't like the Scottish football fan mentality when you've got Celtic fans cheering on a Swedish team. You know, I think the, the coefficient does mean more than what people realise. Um, and as I pointed out, the nine men of Rangers got a draw away at Sweden, which is a result that Celtic can only wish for in Europe away from home. Obviously, they would have beaten them at home, though. I think Maribor... I can remember Rangers playing Maribor before um, and, you know, I think comfortably in the end, getting through, they played nice purple strips um, from what I remember. But I think Slovenia are on the up. I think Slovenia were in pot 
two or three. You know, they were ahead of Scotland in the World pot, Cup. Pot two, I believe. Uh. Pot two. And I think they're quite high up in pot two as well. I don't think you know they're, they're even that low down. So I think you know you have to respect teams in Europe, and I don't think Scotland do that enough. Scottish teams, I think, they kind of think, oh, you know, Slovenia, you know, we don't know a lot about their players, so you know, we'll, we'll be able to go through that quite comfortably. I think we have to start doing research more and respecting teams more. Um, and I think that's what happened. I think we took our eye off the ball against Malmo. And Rangers can't afford to do that again. Um, Celtic, I would be concerned again that Celtic would be too confident because the Swiss league, the Swiss national team are on the up. Um, there's a lot of money in the Swiss league now, not at Sion specifically, but I've seen in the previous round of the Europa League that Tun, another um, Swiss team, put out Palermo. So, you know, you have to look at these results and take what you can from them. You know, the Swiss League is strong at the moment. and I, I, I would be concerned. I remember when Celtic played Bao. Again, I think everybody thought, oh, that's an easy easy tie. And Celtic get put out. And I think, you know, it was the same that happened with Rangers, actually, Grasshopper Zurich. So you, you have to be careful that you don't be too over, overconfident. I think the same could be said for Spurs, though, against the Hearts, I think. Um, they've Harry Redknapp's already come out and said that he doesn't care about the Europa League. He um, wants to get back in the Champions League, and the distraction of the Europa League isn't needed. So I think their players won't be up. You know, I don't. I don't think their. I don't think Van der Vaart, Modric, will uh, probably play. So I think Hearts have to try and take comfort from that, and if they can get some sort of result at Dinkastle make it a good trip for everybody to go down to London, although I would suggest not going on a bus that's maybe in flames. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're saying about Switzerland in, in the club, in the club um, coefficients ranking, Switzerland are 14th and Scotland are 16th. So they're obviously not complete mugs. Um, and I imagine if someone finishes fourth in Switzerland, it possibly it's like facing maybe a, a Dundee United or Hearts equivalent in the SPL and as we know Rangers and Celtic don't always get the results they want against those teams so and I'd imagine maybe they've even got more money than maybe Dundee United or Hearts so yeah I don't think they can underestimate them certainly I think they've got to give them respect <clears throat> and as you say maybe it'll work the other way around in the Hearts game because away from the whatever teams they play obviously when they come up if they've got in even if it's a Peter Crouch or a David Bentley or a Cranshaw, as good as these players are, are they really going to be given a huge, are they going to be given their all when they're playing, having to play a Scottish team when they maybe want to keep themselves fit to potentially play Man United or Man City, which are the games that Spurs have directly after the Hearts games, so you never know, as I say, it's obviously a long shot, um, but then again, when teams go to Parkhead or, you know, in Dunfermline or St Mirren go Parkhead or Ibrox, we don't completely write them off, so you can never say never. I thought it'd be good to to move on to, I've got a poem that was put on the forum by John A. Robb that I'm going to try my best to do some justice by reading it out in the podcast, but I can't promise it's going to be as good as, as he had hoped. <laughs> You want to make it exciting, at least. 
I don't know. Craig Craig will uh, surely give it justice. I don't know. I, I can't make it exciting. It's just not. You can't make it me. exciting. Is that what the poem? No. You? no, me. I'm just <laughs> Reverend. I am jolly. I think that's my my guys for the the podcast. Maybe you right. should put a voice on. Maybe you should put a different. Maybe you should try and do it in the style of someone. What like a an, an Indian or something? And I I don't know what kind of accent you want me to put on. What do you reckon, Scott? He looks a bit like Willow Flood, so maybe an Irish one. <laughs> Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore that. Right, okay. I'll start. So here we are, we're into week three, and it's no the old firm that's top of the tree. For some strange reason the league's been stop go, but hey, it's the SPL, so what do they know? They said let's start early, for those in Europe let's try. But some couldn't get to the next round, even with a bye. The draw made on Friday didn't help us a lot, but let's roll up the sleeves and show what we've got. But back to midweek and reigns of rush shite. Whose fault could it be? No mine, said Craig White. The heart sacked old JJ and brought in Sergio. Can they reach new heights or is this quite a low? Celtic are still looking for a new decent goalie. Believe me, Lenny, he doesn't need to be holy. The Goodwillie saga, well, that's finally over. He's no joined the Jairs, instead he's a rover. The Saints of the Mirren, well, they've started quite well. Can they reach the top six? It's too early to tell. So on to tomorrow, and the Celts face the Dons. If you fancy a wager, first goal, Chris Commons. Very good. I think that was, that was very good from Johnny Rob. That's excellent. I think somebody else reading it may have <laughs> but uh, it was a good poem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a good poem. It was a, a, a poor, a poor recital. I think that's how we'll, we'll leave it. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought we'd look on to the uh, review of the upcoming games in the SPL coming next weekend. A review. And have we got? A, have we got a Delorean? <laughs> Maybe we should preview them first. Did I say review? <laughs> Aye. Okay. Well, <laughs> pre- preview them. Right, the the first game I'd like to preview is uh, Inverness versus Rangers. Inverness haven't impressed me at all this season, and to be honest, Rangers haven't either. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to stick with some bias here, and I'm gonna stick my neck out and go for four 0 to Rangers. Laurie, Gee. what do you think? Well, I think that's not happening for a start. Rangers scoring four goals. Where's this coming from? Ah, they've, they've they've got the players on the pitch. I think the the goals are there to be had. So they as long as they've got the players on the pitch, and then <laughs> Cali don't have the players on the pitch, it'll be four 0 Is that what we're saying? Yep. Right. I'm I'm gonna I'm looking at my predictor now. Let me see. Inverness Rangers. <clears throat> I think Rangers will win. I don't think it'll be four 0 because I just don't think it will. Um. So probably will now after I've said that. So um, I'm confusing myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go 2-0 Rangers <clears throat> because I don't think they've been great but I think Inverness are looking pretty poor they look pretty dodgy at the back so even a team like Rangers should be able to pick them off so aye, 2-0 I think looking at it um, I think everybody's jumped the gun well in McCoy's the Rangers I think the season has started too early for 
for Rangers. I think um, I think they'll only improve. Well, I'm hoping they'll only improve. But I think two one. I think Inverness will give them a wee shock, but I think they'll end up winning it. And just to give people more ammunition against McCoyst. Right. So the the next game is Celtic against Dundee United, and. I've went for the safe one because Celtic are playing at home and to be honest, so far, what from what I've seen, apart from the friendlies anyway, but in the league, they've looked very good. So I've went for 3-1 to Celtic. I've went two-goal margin, 2-0. I'm doing this as we speak. Again, I'm kind of doing it off the cuff, but... Uh... <laughs> again, yep. Yep, again. Noted. Um... <laughs> Black Mark. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah, I just think Celtic are looking good. First home game of the season. Can't see them not winning. But Dundee United are a solid team. Can't see them getting humped, as they like to say in Scotland. But I think Celtic will just have too much for them. Um, 2-0 victory. I think uh, everybody else thinks Celtic have started off well in the league. I think their squad's too strong. And I think it'll be 3-1 Celtic. The next game I've got here is Hearts against Aberdeen. And Laurie, I think you're going to be pleased with my prediction for this one. No, because you always get it wrong. <laughs> well, as long as I get the result right for you anyway. You better put Aberdeen down to win, come on. <laughs> I went for a, a 2-0 victory to Hearts. I just, Aberdeen, although there was times today that I think that they looked good, I just don't think they ever really looked like scoring. So, yeah, 2-0 to Hearts. Oh, you know, I'm I'm bored of sitting on the fence and being pessimistic, so I'm putting four nil hearts. I don't know why, I just couldn't put four nil, even though Aberdeen is Aberdeen are solid, but I don't care. I'm gonna put four nil. I'm gonna be a I'm in a Romanov type mood. Sergio, first home league game, fans are gonna be buzzing. I might go myself as well. <laughs> and uh four nil, John Sutton, first two goals for the club. Scatchel back in starting lineup, crack one in as well, and um, one for Templeton as well. There you go. It's very specific. Yeah. Do you want me to give you the times of the goals as well? No, no, I don't bother because you'll the be yellow wrong. Cards. You'll <laughs> be wrong with the scoreline, the Your scorers, tendons. everything wrong. <laughs> right. Okay. What does Scott think? I think two of us teams in the league uh, will be an interesting game. I think that. I think. Hearts will win one 0 Like Aberdeen are quite defensively looked quite strong today, uh, organised. But again, as Craig said, they don't look as if they're going to score. And I think Hearts will have a wee bit too much about them, and I think you know, I think Hearts will be about getting results, grinding out results more than just ripping team, teams apart in this early stage of the Sergio era. Can I change my prediction actually? Um, my sudden, <laughs> my sudden optimism's gone. <laughs> Can I change my prediction to two 0 hearts? Actually, still quite optimistic, but you were very specific <laughs> with the scorers. <laughs> Look, okay, um, one for Sutton and one for Scatch. I was a bit over exuberant there. Can I prediction to either 1-0, 2-0, 1-1. No, no, but I'm cancelling out my 4 no, I'm not saying they're both on the table. I've taken 4 no off the table because I've just realised... If realized... they win 4-0, you'll suddenly be back on, oh, I said 4-0. No. I will do that, Scott. You know it. 
that's it. Right, it's done. Two 0 That's it. Okay. Two 0 Right. The the next game is St Johnson against Dunfermline. St Johnson, I'm gonna have to have them drawing a blank. Dunfermline, although they scored three, I think they can. They've got it. They've got more goals in them. So I think I've went for two 0 because I was maybe a bit on a bit of a downer with Dunfermline at the start of the season, but I'm kind of warming to them a bit. So yeah, two 0 to Dunfermline. Um, There's that horse again. Did he buy a helicopter that time? <laughs> um, I uh, I'm just making this up as I go along. I don't have a clue. Um, I've just put two 0 for three games. I've realised, so I don't want to put two 0 again. Uh, I don't know. I don't think. I think pressure will be on St Johnston. You know, they need to get the first win of the season. Not like other teams don't. But um, but two one St Johnston. I think it's going to be a bit of a dull game. I don't see a lot of goals in this, but I think St Johnston will be better. One 0 St Johnston. The next game is St Mirren against Motherwell. St Mirren have been doing pretty well this season. I've been a big fan of Hasselbank this season, and I think they're going to score again. I've got Motherwell, they're top of the league at the moment. I'm sure the Motherwell fans will appreciate me bringing that up. They're top of the league, one point clear. And I think they'll score, so I've got a 2-2 draw. I've actually just put the same. No word of a lie, because, yeah, I think two good attacking teams, I think it'll be quite open, even if I imagine now Hasselbank will be suspended. I don't know if they're appealing. I don't think they are. Um, but I think it'll be quite open. Motherwell started well. St Mirren started well. Um, so, yeah, going with an even, open game, 2-2. And just to make it a 3 out of 3, I think it'll be 2-2 as well. I've enjoyed watching St Mirren this season. They look as if they're going to be a good attacking threat um, to most teams. I think Motherwell, though, are on a wee bit of a high, so I think 2 each. And uh, the Sunday game is Kilmarnock versus Hibs. Now, Paul Band has been doing quite well in our predictor, and although he says he's not got a system, he does say that there's always going to be a 0-0 draw in the SPL. So I've went for a 0-0 for this one. Was there a 0-0 this weekend? There's two games not played. Yeah, there's two Ah. games not played, so aye. We, okay. we don't count that, Laurie. Okay. But I'm still sticking with Paul Band because he managed to win £20 in our predictor last last month. He did, um, but uh, if I've went 2-1 Kilmarnock, don't know why, no reason, just because I wanted to. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think Kibbs can sneak it again, I think. 1-0, 93rd minute, Gary O'Connor. Has that already been done this season? I don't know. Oh, are you talking about me being specific? How how will the goal go in? Right foot, left foot, header? If I can, I'm trying to remember the Inverness Cali one. It's because that's, you go down the line and cut it across with his right. It'll be the exact same thing. Yeah, I think it must have been his right because he put it there. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll go down the bookies and see if Ladbrokes will take that. I'm not sure they will. We can't even we can't even get what team's going to win, right? I don't know why we think we're going to know who's going to score and how in what minute, but there you go. You started it with 4-0 and then changed your mind. I know, but then I realised that I was being a numpty, so I've followed that. If it's 4-0 now, I'm going to be raging. I might change it back. No, no, it's fine. No, no you're definitely sticking with two. That's it. 
<laughs> so um, if anyone wants to join the predictor, just chuck that in there as well. If they haven't already, then you can do so at the website, scottishfootballforums.co.uk and click on predictor. Um, although you might have missed last month, uh, there's another £20 monthly prize, I believe, isn't there, Craig? So Whoop, whoop. Aye, right, £20, tell me. That's... 20 quid. Even yeah. a whoop whoop isn't exciting. You <laughs> <laughs> can even manage that. I, try, I tried to make it sound exciting, Scott. You're just being mean now, Scott. Leave him up. <laughs> oh, I've never heard a whoop whoop sound so bad in all my life. Right, well, I'll look forward to hearing that back. But yeah, it's, the predictor's free to enter the £20 monthly prize and at the end of the season, there's a £100 top prize for whoever is the winner. And I was in the top 50 going into this weekend, so... I think it was 49th. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> doesn't surprise me either. But I think I'm about 70th, so what do I know? Yeah, it doesn't Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the thing is, Laurie just keeps trying to change his predictions. He's uh, it 4 0, and then submits it, and then he's like, oh, no, 2 0, 2 0. I'm going to start I'm gonna start just going with the, other, the opposition every time when Hearts are playing. Surely then. With with my luck, then usually surely Hearts will win, so at least I'll get something out of it. Uh, the, there's a couple of forum members set up a, a mini league on the the Metro newspaper fantasy football competition. Panda Monk and JB set up leagues, and the first league, which is free to enter for SFF members, and the code is one zero zero four zero. If you're feeling slightly flush, the second mini-league to enter costs £10, with the winner receiving the, the full prize pot at the end of the season. The code for that is 13444. There is a 50p fee per card transaction, so remember to deposit £10.50 when you join. So that's at the, the Metro fantasy football for the, the Premier League in England Aye, please come and join otherwise there's going to be like three of us fighting for 30 quid <laughs> I think there is three in the, the paid pot just now but yeah I don't mind winning 30 pound that'll do me who says you're going to win like I'm in there as well I know that's what so I'm saying the top person's going to win that's what we're saying whoever the top person is <laughs> 30 pound right now wouldn't be surprised so I think that brings us to the end of the podcast and once again, I'd like to say thanks to Scott for joining us for the for his second appearance in the, the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully bring you back in again at some point in the future. And thank you for Laurie, our co-host, for once again appearing. That's that's fine. You know, I'm always around. That's how boring his life is. <laughs> Got nothing else to do. will <laughs> be as well, you know. Right, but, but thank you and we'll be back next week with the, the next episode of the Scottish Football Forums podcast good night bye bye whoop 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 whoop